Well, good morning. It is fantastic to be with you. Beautiful day out there, isn't it? So I was praying about and thinking through, what is it I want to share at Cedar Home today? And as I was walking along and praying, I decided on rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord. One of the questions I like to ask churches, and, and if you don't know, my name is Kevin Hollinger, and I am the director of church strengthening for Converge Northwest. So I, the goal is to go to churches and encourage them in the Lord. And one of the questions I like to ask is, what do you celebrate? What do you celebrate? You see, I was at a church, and when we were struggling, you know what it's like to struggle as a church, right? I'm not saying from here, but, you know, you've experienced sometimes there can be ups and downs in church life. And I was trying to find out, well, what do we need to do as a church to, to really get on fire for the Lord? And I was walking along, and I went into the University of Washington bookstore, and I found a book by Howard Schultz. Anybody know who that is? CEO for Starbucks. And his book on, I believe the title of the book is Onward. And there's a section, and I'll paraphrase it for you, where he says something like this. You see, he'd been brought back in to, to turn around Starbucks because the sales was down and so forth, and he was coming back uh, to try to revitalize things. And he said, when you walk into a building, when you go into a building, the things you smell, the sounds you hear, the experience that you have communicates what they celebrate. And he said, I was sad to see as I walked into the local Starbucks that they were no longer celebrating coffee. Now, I love coffee, but I don't think that our purpose in life is to pursue the celebration of coffee. But instantly in that moment, in fact, I, I dropped my book, and I said, that's what we need. You see, when you walk into the church building, when you walk into your home, because Christ is with us where we go, right? The, the sounds that we hear, the, the experience we have, should communicate that we're celebrating God, that we're rejoicing in God. And we lose that. And if, and if Starbucks lost sales because people stopped celebrating coffee, how much is the local church losing by losing its celebration of God? So my prayer today for us is this, that we would rejoice in the Lord. And, and today when we talk about God, we don't have time to explain the Trinity to you, Right? We, we, we believe in one God who's forever existed. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So we talk about Jesus. The celebration of God is so, so important, and rejoicing in the Lord is so important. In the letter we're going to look at, we're going to look at Philippians, we're going to look at the fourth chapter. But the letter to the church in Philippi was written by the Apostle Paul when he was in prison, which means our rejoicing in the Lord doesn't need to be tied to our circumstances. Right? But, but my prayer for us, there, there's some folks here that are, or maybe listening online that have never asked Christ to forgive their sins and be the Lord of their life, the boss of their life. 
And you can't experience rejoicing in the Lord the way you're meant to experience the rejoicing in the Lord until you accept Christ as your Savior. Ask him to forgive your sins and ask his Holy Spirit to fill you. Amen? And and if you have not done that, you can do it right now. That'd be fantastic. If you have some more questions, fill out a connection card, talk to myself, talk to somebody here. Don't walk away today without knowing Christ. Amen? There's another group of you here, and you're rejoicing in the Lord. It's exciting, and I I don't want to say keep doing that. Praise the Lord, right? And then there's a third group. And this is the group that I would put myself in. As I prepared the sermon, I realized things had started to push out my rejoicing in the Lord. And this is one of the sermons as I prepared. I said, personally, Lord, I, I need to repent of not rejoicing in you, of letting other things distract me, of putting value in other things and losing my celebration of you. Amen? And so as as we look at these passages today, my prayer is that our hearts, our hearts are stirred. And we find our joy in the Lord. Just a, a passage of scripture here, Matthew 13, 14, before we get to Philippians, says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, then in his, what's the word? Help me out a little. Joy. Okay. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. The kingdom, the rule, the reign of Christ. That's what the Lord taught us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and in heaven. Like the kingdom, Jesus is saying, is like a guy who found a treasure in a field and went and sold with joy, sold everything and got hold of that. That kind of passion, that kind of celebration of Jesus is contagious. Amen? Now, are, are you with me? Do you, do you feel it pushed out sometimes of your life? I'm going to encourage you, as one thing to do, um, is read through Philippians, the whole letter, four chapters, um, not right now. <laughs> but to, to make a command, hey, that's, I'm gonna, this week I'm going to look through Philippians. You can, you can look at it. We have great app tools, right? You can look online, you can use a version Bible app, you can look at a different version. You can go to Bible Hub and you can even look up the Greek and, and go through all that. Just, but just take a reading through it and prayer through it. I believe that what you see in Philippians is written so that we would rejoice in the Lord and so that we would grow in our faith. Amen? If you just take a, just a quick look at Philippians. In Philippians 1, there's some verses on joy. He starts, verse one, chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy. <laughs> What, what, what is our prayer life like when we pray joyfully for those who are partnering with us, who we're celebrating the way Christ is looking in, in their life? Amen? Now, I can tell you, I pastored for, what, 30 years or something, and I, I tell you, it is really easy to let the cranks get control of your emotions, right? To, to not have that prayer time where, where, where I'm, I'm going to 
I'm going to complain about the people that are giving me trouble instead of rejoice in the people that God has surrounded me with who are encouraging me in my faith. Amen? Then in verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So again, we're not going deeper. I'm just showing you that joy is a theme that he's already had in the letter, right? In that, he's saying, even though some people are spreading the gospel with wrong motives, not ideal motives, I'm rejoicing because the gospel's going forth. Verse 25, he said, he is convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that, that's why I say that when you look in Philippians, you can see keys to rejoicing in the Lord. In the second chapter, he talked about complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Philippians 2, he also talks about humility and the importance of humility, and I believe that's key to our joy. How much of our joy is robbed by our egos? Verse 8, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So he's talking about Epaphroditus being sent to them, rejoicing in, in, in his recovery. Again, we're just looking quickly. Philippians, the third chapter, he had said, Finally, my brothers, he means brothers and sisters here, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. I take that to mean you put yourself in danger when you don't rejoice in the Lord. What you celebrate matters, he's telling them. I was... um, with my family around the table one evening, and I was being asked to speak at baccalaureate, so I wanted to ask my teenagers at the time, if there's one message, if I, if I had five minutes to share anything you've heard us share at church or preach about with the, with the high school students, what is it that you would have me share? And one of my sons said, I would have you tell the students that the best way to overcome the temptation to sin is to increase your love of God and your joy in Him. Amen? You see, let me make it very clear to you. As others have said, Josh McDowell said, that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. I've seen over and over again where people Replace rejoicing in the Lord with empty ritual and religion, right? The question is, do you love God? Do you celebrate God? You know, you can go in a house and you can figure out what they celebrate, right? Seahawks, maybe, or whatever. Is there evidence in our life? Do we understand there's a safeguard in rejoicing and celebrating? I just want to make a couple statements here so we're not mistaken here. Rejoicing the Lord does not keep us, and and this is the next slide I had here, rejoicing the Lord does not keep us from grieving. And I think that's important for us to know. So when we talk and rejoice, it's in the Lord. It's not like we go, everything's great. How, How do we know that? Because in the same letter, Philippians 2, 25 through 28, he says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger, 
and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Let me give you just... Just want to stop here because the last thing you want is people to misunderstand the Word of God, right? And, and I've led grief groups for, for many years, and sometimes people say, well, if you're a Christian, you just get over it. There, Jesus said, well, let me just say this. Next slide here. John eleven thirty five. Jesus what? That's important. I know a long time... People would memorize that verse as kids because it was easy to memorize, shortest in the Bible. Matthew 5, chapter 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I, I, I used to serve on a coalition to end domestic violence in the county I was serving in, and I heard stories, and I, I remember times, just really bad stories, and I remember the thing that I did was just over and over again as I wept, say, Jesus has said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Does that mean you don't rejoice in the Lord in those times? I think that our, our souls do rejoice in the Lord even when we're weeping. Amen? I remember when my mother passed away being at her funeral, and I remember my hands lifted in praise to the Lord and the sorrow brought from her death and the joy of knowing that she was with Jesus and God was with me in this moment, met together. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6.10, Paul writes it this way, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. So I just want to stop and say, when we say rejoicing in the Lord, we're not saying, therefore we never have grief. We're saying, even in our grief, we're able to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? So now, all that is just setting the stage for getting to Philippians 4. Do you see how much good stuff there is in Philippians? I hope you'll, you'll take it home and read it, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what I say. It's what the Word of God says. We've already mentioned uh, that Paul wrote Philippians 4. Uh, Paul wrote it from prison, the whole letter, the whole letter helps us grow in our joy and faith. There is a strong connection between faith and joy. There are some key insights into how to increase our joy in the, in the Lord here in the fourth chapter. So that's what we're going to look at now. First thing, if you're taking notes, first slide here is, we increase our joy by genuinely enjoying and loving other Christians. Hmm? Some people say, well, why do we gather together? The church, by the way, is not a building. It's the ecclesia, the gathered ones. We gather to worship, to celebrate God. Amen? 
I mean, you can listen to music at home, you can get your Spotify, but there's something about going to a concert and being with other people who are excited about the music too, right? So we get together, we celebrate because we celebrate together and we celebrate one another. We love God and we love one another. Philippians 4.1, he says, therefore, my brothers, again, brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. He found joy in other folks, right? One of the things we looked for over the years for babysitters when they were coming to babysit our kids, do you love our kids? Do you enjoy our kids, right? Uh, would you hire a babysitter who walked in and, and you ask him, uh, do you like kids? No, I can't really stand them. <laughs> do you like spending time with them? No, but I'm good at what I do. I go, well, you'll be good at doing that somewhere else then and that's your definition of good, Right? Point two, we increase our joy by being peacemakers who help resolve conflicts. Now, again, you can say, well, I, it doesn't exact, exactly say it's joy here, but, but I believe what he's saying in Philippians will help us in our faith and joy, right? And he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Synche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, we don't have time right here to go talk about all the things that happen uh, to help bring resolution to conflict. And I do understand that there are times church discipline is needed and so forth and so on. He's saying, get these ladies together, right? Be a peacemaker, not a peace faker. A peace faker says everything's good but doesn't deal with it, Right? How much joy is robbed because we don't deal with conflict and disagreement? Let's deal with it. Let's be peacemakers. Let's bring people together. Let's not be gossips and triangle people. You know what a triangle is? Instead of talking to the person, I talk about the person. I had, a, I had one of my prayer partners and accountability partners tells a story that he went in to complain about somebody one time. And uh, the guy he complained to said, um, just picked up the phone and started dialing. This is in the days when we did that. He goes, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm calling him. So you can talk to him about it. Right? Let's, let's, let's not gossip about people. Let's talk to people, not about people. Amen? Let's not freeze people at their worst moment. Let's not. Amen? Point three. We can increase our joy by praying with thanksgiving instead of worrying. Does this do this to you? I, I have several passages in my Bible that, that I just, when I read them, I say, help me, Lord. As one writer said, <laughs> I pray because I worry too much and then I worry I'm not praying enough. Right? Listen to what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness, let your, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, what's the word? I don't know. I, I bring that up because I have this <laughs> habit when I'm worrying to make a request to the Lord and, and not take time to thank him for all the great things that are happening. That makes sense? Like, 
Okay, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to pray to you, Lord. Will you fix that problem? You know what I mean? But it says there with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, guard cardia, the center of who you are, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, it's a safeguard to rejoice in the Lord and bring your anxieties to him with thankful prayer, asking his help, opposed to grumbling and complaining and getting all worried and upset. Again, I, I have a slide here, some additional thoughts. There's, there's always these times you come up with these outlines and then there's stuff that doesn't exactly fit in and I think that the Bible's better than me, so we want to put it there, Right? Here's what I want us to notice here about Philippians 4, 4 through 7. One, we are commanded to rejoice in the Lord. It's not optional. It's not saying, well, if this or that or that or you're this or this, you're this temperament or this. No, you're, you're commanded to do it. Rejoice in the Lord. We are also commanded to be reasonable. What we're actually told is let your reasonableness be shown. What I would say there is, Fear can rob our joy and make us unreasonable. Okay? There's, there's a book called DNA of Relationships, and one of the things I've learned in dealing with conflict, it's one of the things I look for is, what are you afraid of happening? I feel most of the time when I'm irre- unreasonable and not gentle, I'm afraid of something. Right? So, Rejoice in the Lord. Give your anxieties to him. Be thankful for what he's done. And, and let people see that you're, you're reasonable, right? One writer said, when the whole world is running for the panic button, the man or woman of God peacefully bows in prayer. Right? And this you'll notice in Philippians. He doesn't... He doesn't he doesn't avoid the issues. Philippians 3, he talks about the, the legalists who are threatening the church. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat it like there's no problems. Rejoicing in the Lord is not sticking your head in the sand and pretending everything's great. It's bringing it to the Lord and knowing that we have victory in him. It's understanding what he said in the first chapter, that he who began a good work in you, you, plural, the church, the called out ones, will finish that work, Amen. And so we need need not fear. Third observation here, we are commanded to pray with thanksgiving. It's easy to forget to be thankful. I already mentioned that. (laughs) That's because that's a problem for me. I don't think it's only a problem for me. Have you gone to prayer meetings where there wasn't much adoration of God, there wasn't much thanksgiving, it was just a list of problems? And the fourth kind of parenthetical thought in this little section is that we're promised the peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds. Rejoicing in the Lord protects us. I don't think I can say that enough this morning. Let's move to the fourth observation from Philippians 4. We increase our joy by focusing on positive things. Philippians 4, 9. Whatever you have learned and received or heard or seen to me, to practice these things and peace will be with you. Um, Did I lose a verse there? I lost verse 8. Well, we're going to rejoice in the Lord anyway. I don't know how that happened. Praise the Lord. 
Somebody, so if you turn, I'm going to pull it up now. What does it say in Philippians? I, uh, the Lord loves to, I do not know how that fell off my thing, but let's read it, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You catch that? And we're going to praise the Lord even though I cut it off my slide somehow. Praise the Lord. And that was my fault. I cut that off. But whatever's good, whatever's lovely, think about those things. Concentrate on those things. We increase our joy in the Lord when we concentrate on the positive things. Amen? So that verse 9 that's under there said, we have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Um, is repeated in this next slide, slide five, because that's where it was, it was supposed to be. Um, we have increased our joy by having mentors. So we increase our joys by thinking about positive things. By the way, what happened is I used to have the, ver the, the verse and then the point, and I moved it around, and somehow that, that passage didn't get back in. But the fifth point here is important. Hang around people who rejoice in the Lord, and it'll increase your joy. Amen? So, stop just a moment here and think, and write it down on your notes. Can you think of somebody that comes to your mind when you think of somebody who rejoices in the Lord? Can you write down some names? Spend some time with them and thank, thank God for them. Your prayer say, I'm thankful for you. I see the joy of the Lord in you. Ask their advice. Man, I know you're going through a lot of things. I, I know you've gone through a lot of hard things, but I see in you a joy in the Lord. Help me understand how you do that. We're not trying to lift people up on some kind of pedestal, but we do want to have mentors. How is it you do that? I, I saw you go through cancer. And yet you rejoice in the Lord through it. I, I, saw you, I saw you weeping at the loss of your, your loved one, and yet you find your joy in the Lord. How, how is it you do that? So we, we've, learned, we've learned some principles here. Find folks who will help apply them. Amen? Sixth thing I want us to see here is we can increase our joy by being content with what God has provided. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have, received, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. By the way, that, that's a, a, amazingly gracious, right? When somebody is, hasn't come to your aid that you were hoping would come, help you through this circumstance, take the time to understand what might be happening in their life, Right? Because he says, you were indeed concerned with me, but you had no opportunity, right? 
But then he says this, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. He's learned to be content with what God has given. Here's one of the things that I do, and I wonder if you do, and I want to stop doing, is claiming things are needs that aren't actually needs. And not being content even though God's given me all kinds of stuff. He's given me everything I, I really need, but I have all these wants. And sometimes I like to take my wants and put them over in the need category so that I can demand that other people give them to me. Right? You don't need. But think how often in the English language we'll say that. I need a new car. No, you don't. You want a new car. I need a new pair of shoes. No, you want a new pair of shoes. Right? I, Right? Why does that matter? If I state something as a need, right, it sounds like I'm expecting that God needs to supply that or he's not giving me what I need. But it's really a want. It's also likes me less thankful. Here's the thing. We have a great God who likes to not only give us what we need, but what we want. Not everything we want. Not when we want stuff that's dangerous and bad for us. But he gives us more than we need. He gives us more than enough. I've traveled uh, quite a bit. And when I'm outside um, uh, the United States, oftentimes I'll ask, if you could say anything to the American church and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings, you just... You just like to say something that I could bring back to the, to the local churches in America. What would you say? And I, and I talked to a, a group of pastors, and they said this. I would just simply ask them why they have so much, and yet they complain so much. If we're going to rejoice in the Lord more, we're going to be content with what God's given us. Amen? Amen. Seventh, we increase our joy by remembering that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We used to use this when I was playing athletics, kind of like, I can win this ball game. But really in the context is, when things go well or things go bad, God will give me the strength to handle it, Right? Why is this important? One of the things that robs us of joy, other than claiming wants as needs, is thinking that we've been given more than we can handle. Well, that may be true, but we've never been given more than we can handle with the help of Christ. Amen? Do you catch yourself in your self-talk? I can't take this. I can't handle this. I can't take it anymore. Maybe you guys are nicer to yourselves. Maybe you don't sound like that. I'm kind of embarrassed, actually, sometimes at how little it, 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 it takes for me to lose my joy, okay? A traffic jam. So. Eight, 
We increase our joy by accepting help from others. Philippians 4, 14 through 18. Yet it was, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except for you only, even in Thessalonica. You sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and I'm well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Again, we're talking about things that increase, I believe increase our joy in our faith. There's a rugged individualism in America that oftentimes robs us of joy. I want, I want you, Lord, to, to care for my financial needs and give me your fina financial needs. And the Lord, instead of putting the money in your pocket, puts it in the pocket of somebody else here at Cedar Home who then gets prompted by the Holy Spirit to hand it and offer it to you. And you say, no, I'm not going to take it. And the Lord says, take it. Amen? We're meant to be together. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We're a body. Take the help. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me doesn't mean that we don't receive help from others. Did you see that from the letter, right? Ninth and, and final point, and we'll, we'll wrap up. By the way, what time am I supposed to be done? One, two o'clock, something like that? Okay. Um, we increase our joy by trusting that God will provide all our needs. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we, we sold our house in Bothell and, and bought a different house in, in a different state. And um, so we've been houseless for about six weeks. And... Um, I start worrying about stuff. Um, and I was thinking about, when has God ever not met my needs? So why am I worrying? We need each other to encourage our faith, right? And a rejoicing in the Lord. So here's, here's the, the walk away question for you. How will, you. how will you rejoice in the Lord this week? I was part of the Timothy Initiative USA, um, and they were talking about how, how, we, how we bridge this doing and knowing gap, like we know stuff, but we don't do it. And, and they came up with these three things we're really trying to get to happen, and what we hope happens today with this message of rejoice in the Lord. One, we hope you believe it. That that's what God said to you, rejoice in the Lord. Do you believe it? Yes. Two, that we develop the skills to do it. Now, here's the good news. If you read Galatians 5, part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, right? So don't try to do it on your own strength. We pray for the Holy Spirit to help you delight in the Lord more and rejoice in Him. Amen? Get around other people who will encourage you. And then add to the skill, make it a habit. Just 
I really would challenge you to take your phone out, if you have a phone or whatever you do to remind yourself and say, rejoice in the Lord today. Ask yourself at the end of the day, how, how have I rejoiced in the Lord today? When I was asked many years ago why I wanted to be a pastor, I told a story. In just a few minutes, I'd like to tell you that story, and then I'll, I'll wrap up with a word of benediction. story about a, a young boy named Tommy and Arlie. I've told it so often. My family hears it all the time. Because when they asked why do you want to be a pastor, I told them the story about Tommy and Arlie. It's in a book by David Swartz. You see, it was many, many years ago when fruit in the winter was a big deal. We don't have that now, now you're sure. So having an orange in January would have been a big, big deal. And Tommy and Arlie went to school, and the teacher would watch them go to school in one of these small schools. And at lunchtime, Arlie had a very poor family. And in his lunch, he just had like pork rind and like gravy and like really not great stuff. Tommy was the richest kid in the whole school. And he, he'd have fruit and all kinds of stuff, and he'd he have oranges. He'd take that orange, and the teacher said he would watch out the window, and he would hope that, that Tommy would share the orange with Arlie, right? And he said Tommy did. He took the orange peels and let Arlie eat them, and he ate the orange. broke the teacher's heart, saved up money, bought some oranges, drove them out to Arlie's house, and handed Arlie an orange. And Arlie ripped off a piece of the peel and started chewing on it. And the teacher said, no, 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 watch. And he peeled the orange, and he took the wedges, and he broke them apart, and he handed a wedge of that orange to little Arlie, and Arlie bit down, and he tasted orange, really orange, not just peel for the first time. And his eyes, his eyes filled with delight. Many years ago, when I was asked why I wanted to be a pastor, I said, there's a lot of people when it comes to their understanding of God who've been eating orange peels. I want to give them a taste of the real thing. My prayer for Cedar Home Baptist Church is that you're handing out the real thing, that your hearts are delighting and celebrating God. simple question I can ask to a church. What do you celebrate? May it be God. Amen. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for the way you work, even, even when we mess up and even when things don't go perfect, that you're here. And I just pray that you would, you would help us taste and see that you are good. Even in times of sorrow, you are good. And I pray there's a revival that breaks out here from Cedar Home to the community around. I pray that the pastor that's led here and his family 
We know we trust in, in, in you will lead that in the right time. But, th but they will join in and help create an environment that celebrates you, God. We pray for our neighbors and our friends who have, who have not tasted of your goodness. Maybe they've been handed only orange peels all their life. You give them a taste of what it is to truly be filled with your spirit, drawn by your grace to life transformation. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may we go and rejoice in him. God bless. Have a great day.